Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. Happy December, amigas. Uh, this month tends to be stressful for some folks, and I just want you to ease into the flow and know the true messaging behind this month is gratitude and love and joy and happiness. And I know we're all moving around, going to events, doing the things, attending the parties, and on top of that, our own lives. So I just want you to ease into it and know that there you will be having lots of invitations, lots of invitations. But as you already know, you are the one that gets to decide where you get to go. You need not ask permission from anybody because you are the master of your own life. And with that in mind, I wanted to share a couple of things. So I lead these amazing workshops. And uh, one of the ones that I do every year is a, a basically like a vision board without it being you know, cutting out the magazine articles or the pictures and putting it on poster board. I do like that, but that's not what I do. I actually have developed a writing process for Amigas where we get to manifest everything, but it is directly in flow from all the things that our spirit guides want us to know for the upcoming year. And so with that in mind, the Divine Wealth Manifestation Workshop is moving forward. So let me tell you a little bit about these workshops and um, when they're being hosted and who it's for. And so amigas, you understand that we are all about creating wealth. And wealth is more than just money, amigas. Let's just get that out into the universe and to understand that wealth is about the life experiences and that, yeah, that does have to do with some of it is money, but the other stuff is the, what really truly is within your soul and, and that inner guidance that really makes your heart sing. So this workshop is going to teach you how to learn to shift your money language so much so that you get to step into your greatness for 2024. And we get to focus on abundance in the seven key areas that I talked to you about and where you get to honor yourself through your own spirit guide who's going to be leading you as you undergo this workshop with me. So you're also going to experience this exercise and you will be provided this beautiful blueprint that I share with amigas on a yearly and sometimes half yearly times. And it's a, a technique that, that I teach in this class that you get to carry throughout the year. I'm going to share how I handled my anxiety over money, over life, big critical decisions and have created an abundant life with this process. So I'm excited. Hope you can make it. These workshops will be held via Zoom on December 12th, or, or you can also attend December 14th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Like I said, these are two dates. Now, for those of you who are really, really in it to win it next year, you're going to want to also attend the VIP hour, which then that will lead you to December 19. And it's at the same time, 6.30 to 8. And um, I will be dropping that link in the show notes so that you can go grab it and purchase your ticket. And remember, you're going to show up with your highest version so that you can carry that energy and focus to the following year. So I'm excited, amigas. I definitely encourage you to take advantage of the VIP ticket because you know, not only do you attend the actual workshop, which is on December 12th or the 14th, you then get to come back and be in this mastermind group with me as we get to uncover what you created in the workshop so that we can best, best implement those strategies and tools for 2024. So like I said, I'm going to drop the link in the show notes. Another event, if you live in LA and um, you want to get one-on-one connection, well, guess what, amigas? I was invited to be a special guest at the Wine, Wealth, and Women, and this is December 13 here in Santa Monica at El Torito. I will also be dropping that link down below, and make sure you grab a ticket and see me personally where I get to talk to you. So I'll be... um, illustrating all the things that I did at the Amiga Way book, um, obviously in a very condensed manner. And you'll also have an opportunity to meet me personally and grab a book and have it be signed by yours truly. So Amigas, there's a lot going on this week, December 12, 13, 14, and then the following week, December 19. So make sure you grab yourself a seat and meet me there. And I hope to see you either in person or on Zoom. Happy holidays, amigas. Hola, amigas. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations. Gain back your feminine power and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas. 
and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. So I have a beautiful soul today who is gracing us with her presence. And here's the thing, amigas, guess what? Her last name is Tapia too. So this is so incredible. I never, ever get to meet a fellow Tapia. Um, I would have to, well, maybe I've met one person before, but let me tell you, it's very rare. I'm going to be 50 years old and... The only Tapia, other than another person, is who I'm interviewing right now. Her name is Nadine Tapia. And who is she? She is not only a beautiful soul, but she owns Tapia Beauty Group. Okay, and Tapia Beauty Group is a certified benefit corporation, and it was founded to develop best-in-class consumer products and out-of-the-box thinkers to positively impact the consumer experience. They advise, invest, and consult in early-stage beauty and CPG companies. In their efforts to incubate brands, they work closely with Product Society, a full-scale manufacturing and 3PL facility in North Hollywood. Nadine holds a board seat at Product Society and board observer seat at Beauty Stat Cosmetics, both current investments. Prior to Tapia Beauty Group, Nadine spent more than 20 years in the fragrance and beauty industry and held various senior level roles, leading teams and positioning brands for growth. In 2011, as president, CEO, and only investor of the natural indie brand, Ole Henriksen, she led the company to an acquisition by Kendo, a subsidiary of the luxury conglomerate Louis Vuitton. Moe Hennessy. Nadine is a member of the Salvation Army Malibu Advisory Board and an executive board member and donor of the Horizon Scholars Program at her alma mater, Pepperdine University. Nadine received an MBA from Pepperdine University School of Business, where she also earned a Sears Certificate in Business Strategy and a Master's of Dispute Resolution from the Pepperdine Caruso School of Law. I am so excited to have her here. And um, she's not only a beautiful soul, but she knows everything about beauty. And this conversation is going to prove it. So amigas, without further ado, this is Nadine Tapia. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Okay, so I have a beautiful soul here with me and happens to have my last name. Yes, this is the first time we have, well, other than family being on my podcast, someone who's not, you know, family related, whose last name is Tapia. And so I really wanted her to come to this podcast because the first instance that I met Nadine, Nadine Tapia, she actually, I just felt in love with her as a person. And one of the conversations we had was about value. And I was like, oh my God, 
I need her on this podcast to talk to us about value and how she finds value and how she has been exploring the beauty industry throughout these years with her company. And um, it is, I am so grateful to and honored to have her here. So Nadine Tapia, welcome, welcome to Amiga Hand Your Shit podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you. Thank you for being here. So Nadine, you know, so that um, people out there who listen to this episode, which is, you know, showcased all over the world, let's talk about your background. Where are you from, Nadine? So I grew up in Chino, California. Not many people know where that is, but that is um, a little town in Southern California. Was born and raised um, in Southern California with most of uh, my family. Is all of your family from Chino, California, or are they from elsewhere? Most of them are from Chino. Yeah, we grew. I mean, of course, I was born in Upland, which is the city I live in now, but um, grew up in Chino uh, for most of my life, and most most of my family is um, is from Chino as well. So. And I know Tapia, Tapia is a, a Latino last name. So tell us, uh, where is your family from Mexico? Where are they from? So, yeah, I mean, I'm very proud to be a Tapia. So Jackie, as you know, that was one of the things that stopped me in my tracks when I saw your name tag. I said, wait a minute, I don't see Tapias very often. And I have to stop and introduce myself and, and know who you are. And of course, the rest is history. I also fell in love with you when I met you as well. Mm -hmm. um, yes, my father is from Michoacan, Mexico, and my grandmother is from San Antonio, Texas. And my grandfather came over to California um, early on in life, and uh, you know, settled down in in Chino. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, you know, I. You know, there's so many women and men that have come to the podcast and some from Mexico, some from elsewhere. But um, I don't think I have anyone who actually grew up in Chino, to be quite honest. <laughs> I mean, and it is a very predominant Latino, from my understanding, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when I was growing up, it was very, um, it, there was a lot of farms, a lot of dairy farms, a lot of onion fields and fields. It was produce everywhere. Um, we're not far now I live in uplands so we're not far from like where Sunkist would you know they have their their fields and, and orchards and things like that um, and now it's very industrial but it is actually grown and it is a very nice city I think Chino has recently was one of the top 100 cities to raise a family in and um, yeah so it's 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 grown quite a bit yeah oh my god I didn't know that well, I'm so grateful that you're here and and I really wanted you to come and talk to us because you know, you're a beauty ex executive. But before becoming a beauty executive, like how did you, how did it all begin? Is this something that you already knew in your heart since you were a kid that you were going to be a beauty executive? I actually did not know that I was going to be a beauty executive. I I did a lot of things when I was younger. I I tried a lot of things. I thought I thought I actually wanted to be a lawyer like you. <laughs> and <laughs> I learned right away that that was really not um, the job for me, but I did a lot of things. I started in a factory that my, um, my aunt by marriage, her, her brother had a, a factory. He'd make parts for air, airplane parts. And um, it was my first job. And I just remember thinking, 
it was a summer job and it was, you know, very hot in the, in the warehouse. And I thought I never want to do this again. So I'm going to take this as a lesson learned and, and now the next no thing warehouse job. <laughs> that's right. It had to be better than that. And, um, you know, I worked retail, I were, I wrapped gift gifts at Nordstrom. I did a lot of things. And that's actually, I worked in a law office for a couple of attorneys and I, I was a dental assistant. I think the best thing that I ever did in life was actually, actually do all the things that I thought I really wanted to do right because it led me to where I am today yeah. and uh, and that was that was good you know working at a law office I mean that is definitely the 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 polar opposite of beauty <laughs> I, I, I I agree with that because it really was it was um you know I think I I've just known myself to be more of a um a people person. I love part of what I love to do in, in, in my career now is just is, is networking and meeting people and finding ways to connect people and um, you know, that type of thing. And so for me being in an office all day and, you know, reading and dissecting documents was just not my idea of a good time. No, no. <laughs> Thank God that, that, that you actually pivoted and not when in that path, because now what you're doing is amazing. And I want amigas and amigos out there who are listening to this podcast to learn a little bit about how you became this beauty expert. So let's go back. So you did all these jobs. You worked in the factory. You wrapped presents at Nordstrom. You did the retail thing. So where where was that pivot into like working specifically in the beauty industry? Uh, I had just started going to junior college. I didn't have enough money to get in and I didn't have enough smarts to get into a regular four-year college. So I, I, I pushed myself because I was virtually on my own to go to, to junior college. And during that time, that's when I worked at Nordstrom, which was one of the best jobs I've ever had because Nordstrom really does create, um, you know, they allow you to really understand the consumer. And, and how to really focus all the efforts on the consumer and find out what the consumer needs and how to best serve them. And I learned a lot of what I know now on ser serving consumers by working at Nordstrom. So I wrapped gifts during you know the time I was at school. And one of the department managers said, you know, you, you work really hard. We appreciate you. Why don't you come in and, 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 be a fragrance model. And at the time I had no clue what that was, but it was handing out the papers with the fragrance on it to, you know, sell fragrance. And I said, okay, I, at the time it was like, I don't know, $15 an hour. And I thought I'd hit the lottery, you know, <laughs> mid nineties. And I was like, this is, this is heaven, you know, and I did it. And I really, really hated the nose. You know, I almost wanted to crawl in a hole and die when somebody would tell me no, um, but once I learned how to accept the nose from the consumer and just kind of figure out my groove, um, I loved sales and I loved providing the consumer with something they love. And it, it really kind of blossomed from there. Um, I turned that into um, a regional job that I worked for different fragrance companies. So the first dozen years of my career really were in fragrance. Okay. And I left school because, again, I was taking you know, care of myself. And I, I had this great job and I, I didn't want to lose that momentum. And I said to myself, I promise I'm going to go back when the time is right. And um, one job led to another 
because I was scrappy and because I was really hardworking, I just, I, I just continued that path of growing in, in the beauty industry. Yeah. And so I know that you, at some point you went to Pepperdine, but before that, I'm I'm just trying to, you know, picture the chronology. You worked for Ole Henriksen? Yeah. So um, after working fragrance for about a dozen years, uh, you know, fragrance had just kind of, I don't know, it become a, a really um, different environment as far as like the, the products were a lot of gray marketing going on. And so I was ready for a change. I wasn't quite sure what that was. And I was um, sought out by a headhunter to, you know, come into um, a brand that uh, was in beauty, but was in skincare. Mm -hmm. And it was for the founder, Ula Henriksen. And so, okay, so there you were working for the skin industry. Yes. Okay. So yeah, skin, I mean, you know, it 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 was really different for me. Um, but what I what what really drew me to that company was the founder. I mean, Ula Henriksen is such an amazing human being. He still is very much involved in his company. Um, and it was a, a change of pace in what I was doing. I was working for two wonderful, wonderful leaders that that brought me in. Um, Jim Headley and Richard Recker. Richard Recker was a was was also a mentor of mine. And you know, I really liked, even though it was a small team, I really loved the people that I was working with. I loved the products. The products were amazing. And I also saw that there was a lot of opportunity to help grow the company. Um, so that was exciting for me. So let me let me ask you this. So there's similarities with the skin line and with fragrance. Like what was your role in these two different, I mean, it's kind of beauty, but at the same time, they're very different. Yeah. Well, it was what the common thread between the two was sales. So in the first dozen years of, of, of working in fragrance, I was in sales. I eventually worked to be a West coast uh, director for um, a couple of fragrance brands. And so a partner and myself handled part of the United States for particular brands as independent reps. And then um, when I was hired on to Ula Hendrickson, I was brought in as a national uh, sales manager, uh, vice president of sales, eventually worked into a vice president of sales really quickly. And so sales really was the initial um, introduction to to Ula Henriksen. And then the branding, where did that come about? Because I know that's your expertise as well. Yeah, I mean, so as we were growing the company, um, you know, there, the, 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 the name Ula Henriksen had been known in, you know, Beverly Hills and in, you know, the celebrity um, arena for a long time. Ula was an esthetician for 30 years, I think at that point, and there was a commercial brand, but it was still just growing. And so I came in with, you know, we grew our team, we grew, you know, our distribution and began to make a lot of wonderful adjustments to the brand, which within a couple of years put us in a position where we really were growing seriously. And the company um, at that time needed capital. And I think the consensus was that it was, we were a little gun shy to bring in, you know, a VC and I'd offered to lend the company money. And at the time, I mean, I, it was my first real investment. Yeah. I didn't quite understand the level of 
at, even now I look back at it and I thought that was really risky, but I did it. <laughs> really ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I was really betting on myself because I was really involved with it. I loved my job. I would wake up every day. I, I would seriously be so excited to get to what, what I was doing. And I even speak to team members of, of mine at the time. And they still say the same thing. It was a real magical time growing a brand like that with a founder who was just so vivacious and energetic. Um, and at a time where also Sephora, uh, who we were predominantly, that was our distribution, they were really growing. So it was a really fun time in beauty at that moment. Um, and as I made that investment, um, you know, I said, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to love to invest in the company or I'd love to, you know, lend the company money. And one of the advisors said, well, you know, if she's willing to lend the company money, I think it might be, you know, something to, you know, we, we should consider giving her, you know, equity in the company. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just let me, let me help the company so we can get to the next level. Right. And I made a significant investment and it really paid off within two years. We were, you know, we were being acquired by Sephora and LVMH. And so that was really an experience. The whole thing was an experience, just learning and growing and, building a brand um, and, you know, making it my first investment. I learned so much in six years. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was a tremendous experience. I bet. So now that you learned, you learned all the ins and outs that from the beginning to the end, you've taken that as a blueprint for your own company, correct? Yeah. I, what I, what I really took from that was I, I netted down what I love to do. And mm -hmm. what I love to do is I like to take brands in their infancy and help them get to the next level of growth, which eventually will lead them to an acquisition. And so I like to be every part of that. I like to be in the mix of it. I like to get my hands dirty. And I also love investment. Um, you know, I have a very small handful of investments that I'm very proud of. Um, I seek out, I, I mean, I have a variety of, of different types of, um, you know, like the model of the brand that I seek out, but I really do look for women founded brands. Um, I do of course have some men founded brands, but I also look for BIPOC brands. So, um, you know, I, I think there is a lot of uh, investments going on and I, I tend to see that the ones that get it the least are the minority mm -hmm. um, groups out there. And so that has been also something that I've really strived to, to be a part of. So why do you think that's the case? Well, because I'm a minority myself. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I, I, there's not enough women um, founders. There's not enough women CEOs in the world. There's not enough w women investment you know, in, women investors and women that are invested in. Um, so between that and, you know, minority owners, and I also love innovation. And of course, I, you know, so there are a lot of different types of brands that I, you know, look for, but predominantly those are the ones. I also like sustainability and I like the focus of just doing better as a company. I'm a, um, a B Corp myself i went through that it took me a couple of years it was a very strenuous process um but i really do love companies who treat their teams well and um also do better 
you know, and uh, that doesn't mean being perfect or, or doing, you know, um, everything right. It just means that you're trying and making an attempt um, to not only serve your community better, to serve your people better, um, to put better things in the, you know, into the world and the environment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. So a lot of this is like, you know, the consumer goods and whatnot. Um, is there another area that you have used your skills in promotion and branding for other companies? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I actually love to do also to do, um, nonprofit work. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the things that I did, I did end up going back after the company was sold. I did end up going back to school. Um, I received a master's in dispute resolution from the Pepperdine school of law, which is now Caruso school of law, and also a master's in business at uh, Grazia Dio Business School at Pepperdine. And I received a sustainability certificate. Um, and in that process, I was introduced to Horizon Scholars, which is the students that come through Horizon Scholars are students who are of foster care. Mm -hmm. And I love what they do as a community at Pepperdine. And they um, serve these students in such a grand way. They provide them with you know, um, a service called Rise, which offers, you know, uh, the, they, they offer everything from like life skills to um, counseling and, and different, you know, facets of what a, a child of foster care might need, funding, housing. Um, so I sit on that board. Uh, I am on the executive board of Horizon Scholars. I am also one of the first donors one of the first student donors, because I myself graduated out of the foster care system. Um, my parents, you know, my my father passed when I was young, um, and they were my mom and dad were divorced, and so I ended up being fostered by family. Mm. And so that is one of my passion, really one of my passion projects. I love, love, love Horizon Scholars, and I support that um, in every way possible. Oh. This is fascinating that, you know, you having gone through the foster system with, with different family members, and I'm sure that in itself is led, led you to be who you are today, yes. you know, finding those skills, you know, building these communities, building these companies that are sustainable, and there's more of a mission behind it versus like, oh, it's just money. You know, because yeah. many, if not, I mean, you know, whatever, little or many um, do things based on money versus based on a mission, on a passion, on something that is truly valuable to your heart. That's right. And I not only when I when I actually when I registered for school as the advisor that said, you know, you need to fill out FAFSA. And I said, oh, no, no, no. You know, I got this. Obviously, I had enough money to pay for it myself. Um, but she said, no, 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 everybody does this. You know, you may, you may find that there's a benefit to you, you know, in, in there somewhere. And I says, okay, like it was almost like a mandate. And so I did it and I received a call out of the blue from a woman named Deborah Armstrong. And she said to me, uh, I see that you were, it, you know, is in my file that I was, uh, that I, um, graduated out of the foster system. And I said, yeah, I grew up with family. Uh, my aunt and my uncle who were like my parents 
and but they never adopted me and so um yeah I had a you know I I had a social worker and you know so did my brother and um my my family was kind of scattered at that point but um she says you know I'd really like to include you in this program and I said okay I said I think it may be for students that really really need it she goes oh no no this is for you too and it was really it was actually interesting it was really the first time that I said oh someone wants to do something for me and it, I'm being seen and I'm going to allow this. I'm going to allow for this to happen. It was one of the best things that I've ever done. And when I, I, when I was in the program, I said, when I graduate, I will come back and I, and I will, I'm going to help with this program in some way. And when I came back, of course, after I graduated, I was the first student donor to the program. I committed to uh, three years um, of donating, actually five years of donating the program. And um, now, you know, sit through, you know, all the program direct, you know, what, what we work on to, to help grow the program in, at the campus. So yes, it's a really cool thing. Oh, wow. I mean, that makes me want to go and get a scholarship too. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you can, it's never too late. That's, that's one of my things. It really is. It's, you know, it's funny. And um, in my in my with my social worker, I, I look back. I actually had to go. It was such a cathartic thing. I had to go back and pull all of my records. Mm-hmm. I had never done that. So when I pulled my records, there was a lot of things in there. And of course, I sat in my car and wept for a little bit. But but when I looked at my records at the very last uh, interview from the social worker, she says to me, "You know, um, you, what you know, you have to tell me what you plan to do." And you're like, you know, of course, you don't never know what you're going to do at. 17, 18 years old. And I says, I'm going to own my own business one day. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to, you know, get my uh, degree and I'm going to own my own business. And I just had the, the, the foresight and the wherewithal to think, you know, of that at that moment, you know, and I had been through some really chaotic things in my life and that was just so top of mind and so natural that <laughs> came right out. Um, so yeah, you you spoke it into existence. That's right. You completely manifested that. Wow! And so you're Tapia Beauty Group. So what's next for you? So we are a small boutique operation that does exactly what I said I love to do, and that is to work with companies um, at different stages, and most of them are emerging brands, um, and help them whether it is to find funding for growth um, or different aspects of the company's support. So that could be anything from human capital to strategic advising um, and and simply helping them get to that next growth level. That sounds really fun. Like you're like the director of of all these companies kind of, right? Like, I mean, you see it, you see the actual, the play. And you're like, okay, we need this, 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 this. And I feel like you, I mean, after having this beautiful conversation not too long ago, I feel like this is your creative genius. Like this is, it, it's not forced. It's just so natural to you to see it from a bird's eye view, what you can offer and do. I love that. I've, I've never heard it described that way. And I absolutely love that. And I will take it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It's so true. I mean, after having this conversation, this one, and then the one where we had at the, at the restaurant, I feel that 
this is your genius and you're in it and honoring your passion. And it's not for me because I come from, obviously I come from the logic side, but I'm also very creative in thought and I'm very deeply spiritual. And I see that you spoke what you wanted into existence and you're living in your passion and your purpose. I, I see this as so fantastic and I'm, I'm amigas out there. You need to get in touch with her in regards to if you have a brand that you need assistance with, like she really, I could tell you with my conversation at, um, at lunch, there was the value, the value conversation. And I, and like we, when we met, um, you introduce yourself and I thought, oh my God, this woman has so much value and so much, I can trust her. That's, that's something that you can't say by first glance. Wow. And I feel that, um, with any woman who's listening to this conversation and, and wants to really propel their brand to get in touch with you. Cause that is your niche. Like you are your first, the, the small entrepreneur that is seeking and, and getting to the next level. Thank you for saying that. I, I, it, you never know how you're received. Um, but I just try to do the best that I can in everything that I do. <laughs> and when I work with a company, for me, it really is that is that is the first thing I think about. How can I add value to to this company, and how could this company see and uncover their own value, whether it is an individual or a company? What is it that they're offering that really sets them apart? What makes them special? And and I think that was one thing I I saw in you immediately mm -hmm. when we met. I said. Wow, it's right there. It's in the palm of your hands, right? You know, ready for you just to to say the word, just to ask for what it is that you need. Um, and sometimes it's that simple, and sometimes it's not. But it is really fun figuring it out for yeah. me. That is really the fun and the joy that I've found in what I do every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, as I taken my life in a whole different direction. And, you know, sometimes I get, try to get pulled in the legal direction and I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and it's so nice and so refreshing to speak with women who tried things out and then decided this is the path. Yeah. This is the path. And I completely admire all the ladies that have shown up and you needing that. I'm like, wow, sometimes if you, if you try, 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 if you don't get it the first time, continue to try, try, that try, is try. It. I love that Jackie. And I think, you know, the, the thing that really helped me in my life and in my, in my career journey is trying the things that I thought I was going to love. And, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't love them. It wasn't, my cup of tea to sit in a dental office. It wasn't my cup of tea to sit in a foundry or in a law office. They were not, but I tried them and I did them fast and I did them young when I was really, really, um, and I always have been very ambitious and I have, you know, really always been a dreamer. Like I knew I wanted to do something great and I feel it doesn't have to be su super grandiose. It really is just something that you love. 
And trust me, when you wake up excited to get to what you want to get to, that's when you can say, okay, yeah, this is, this is, I'm doing, I'm doing what I should be doing. Is it easy? No. Is it, is it always smooth? No. But in the, for the most part, if it's something that you truly enjoy um, and you can't wait to get to, yeah, you know, and, and, and I, I love that you, you're saying to try something different because, you know, the, the worst thing is not knowing whether you will or you won't, you know, so yeah, that you did it is, is pretty impressive. Exactly. So it's, I, now I can say, say to that this day, I'm like, I try everything. <laughs> I'll try anything because it is, I mean, how am I going to learn and grow if I don't? That's right. Ultimately. Right. I mean, cause my passion and purpose is to help women, professional ladies across the globe. And so I'm like, okay, girl, well, how else are you going to do this? Okay, and if you're not learning this? and growing, you're, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, what, are we, what are we doing really? What are we doing? Exactly, exactly. Oh, amiga, I love this. So before we end our conversation, I always ask my guests if they could provide one or two tips on how an amiga can handle her shit. I'd love to hear them from you. I think we talked uh, about a few of those things. Um, I would say find what really makes your heart sing. Find what really turns you on, what gets you up in the morning, what makes you think, what makes you curious, what makes you excited um to get to find that and it doesn't you know it, again it's not always perfect easy lovely but once you do you will i can tell you um you'll feel it so natural like you said it will be so natural to you um i, I love to share this because it is 100 true and that is never too late I think some people think, oh, I shouldn't do this. Some people told me, don't go back to school. It's, it, it, you don't need to. Why would you do that? Oh, if I wouldn't have gone back, if I wouldn't have had that experience, it gave me an, a completely new direction yeah. and excitement in life. Yeah. And I, and I conquered some major, major bucket list goals of mine. And so it's never too late. Um, and you know, sometimes you'll go it alone, but find your tribe because once you find women, men, mentors that really believe in you and want you to win, surround yourself with those people. And I can tell you, it will make the journey that much sweeter. Oh, absolutely. Amen to that. Definitely. I always say, you know, if there's um the concept of the lion, if the lion detracts from the pack, the lion will perish. Mm-hmm. And it's the same we're not, thing. We're not meant to do it alone is, is also the thing. It's like, you know, the, I think part of what makes, you know, entrepreneurship really tough for the masses is that it is awfully lonely. Yeah. It's awfully lonely and it's quite scary. Yeah. So I think when you can surround yourself by people who really do, support you and understand more of what what it is to go before you you know that that does really really make it a lot more sweeter a lot sweeter than than doing it on your own oh 1000 percent, 1000 percent. well definitely this is an amazing conversation it's never too late definitely got to find our tribe and Wake up to something that excites you, right? I'm 
grateful for these tips. Thank you so much, Nadine. And this is such a beautiful conversation. And where can um, our our friends and family find you? You can look for me on LinkedIn, um, Nadine M. Tapia. My website is under construction at the moment. And, um, but, you know, you can also add my contact information to any of your um, socials as well. I'm happy to talk to, to anyone. That's one of also, I feel like my superpowers is that I love meeting new people and I love connecting people. And so it's, it's a fun thing for me. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Well, definitely we'll have more conversations. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Nadine, to be, for being here on Amiga Hand Your Shit podcast. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.